you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, we've got a lot of exciting things to cover today. The questions just keep rolling in. Thank you for those. We're going to be talking about what can your art lead to. Now, by that, what I mean is if you are doing whatever it is that you do that is your work and you just get paid one time, we're going to be looking at ways to expand that. No matter what it is that you do, I'm confident there are ways to leverage that into other kinds of income. So we're going to have some fun unpacking some questions and looking at that today. Hey, this is where every week we take a look at your passion, how you can live life fully alive, laugh readily, work with joy, make a difference in the world today, better decisions, fewer regrets. Those are all things that we're going to be talking about right here as we look at this issue of what we do with our work and how we do more than just exchange our time for income. Well, here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, will I always be poor? How do you find excitement and joy in a job or career? Someone says, I just unexpectedly received a 10% off-season raise, and then three months later, an additional 5% pay increase. How does somebody do that in today's economy? Dan, I'm scared to death of where my job is leading, and my future feels bleak. And then someone wants to know, how can I charge for my educational workshops? So we got a bunch of those things to talk about today. Here's a quotation. Comes from Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who said, A man should hear a little music, read a little poetry, and see a fine picture every day of his life, in order that worldly cares may not obliterate the sense of the beautiful which God has implanted in the human soul. Now, springboarding from that a little bit, I want to share just a recent experience. Last Saturday night, it was, my wife wanted me to go with her to an art show out in Leapers Fork. Now, we live in Franklin, Tennessee, south of Nashville, and then Leapers Fork is a little farther out from us. It's a real artsy, hippie kind of community. A lot of country music stars live out there. It's just a quaint little community, very tiny, but a lot of fun things happen. So there was an art show out there. So... We invited uh, friends of ours, uh, Gail and Michael Hyatt, went with us, and then they invited Ken and Diane Davis. Ken Davis, you may recognize, been a Christian comedian for years and years, just an amazing uh, gentleman. So anyway, the six of us went out there, and the first place we went to was David Arms Art. Now, I want to describe how he does his art, how he sells and promotes his art. Because it gives us a great picture of this idea of stretching what it is that we do. Whatever it is that you do, how can you expand on that? Now, David is in a barn in Leaper's Fork. So the building itself is just a stunning little building. Now, it's not fancy. It's, It's a barn. But it's so unique that it just captures you immediately. Now, his art is just beyond description. I mean, he uses little quotations in his art, which, you know, help me understand it. But I love what he does. He does a lot with birds, with animals, a lot with scripture. You can just check it out. David Arms, it's A-R-M-S in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. 
he's well known for his art. And his art pieces, I mean, this is not just somebody who hopes someday to make a living. I mean, David's art pieces range from about three to $15,000 a piece. So it's very you know, high-end, respected art that he does. But here's how he set it up. So we go to the barn, and as we approach, there's this big copper fire pit. So it's burning, and there are the ingredients for s'mores. So there's graham crackers, marshmallows, and chocolate bars. So if you want to make those, you can. So we're smelling the fire to start with. We walk into the barn. There are candles burning. There's music that's going on. And then there are things to eat. Now there, golly, he had, what all did he have out? He had pickles out. He had okra. Now some unusual things. Okra, just big bats of it. And if you're familiar with okra, you need to come to Tennessee. I'm not real fond of it, but I had a couple. But pickles, okra, cheese and crackers, wine, and then Whisper Creek, Tennessee sipping cream. And there were also mounds of donuts. Now, when you think about it, he addressed every single sense that we have. Taste, hear, see, feel, and smell. Everything was addressed when you walked in there. So it wasn't just, here's an artist with art on the wall. It, it was, this was an experience. Now, this Whisper Creek, Tennessee sipping cream. <laughs> just bear with me for a little bit. Here is what it says. I, I went to their site and looked because, again, this was not just chosen casually. This was part of the experience. And on their site, it says this embodies the Tennessee Whisper Cream liqueur embodies all the deliciously familiar characteristics of a charcoal mellowed Tennessee whiskey softened by the subtle whispers of real caramel, burnt molasses, red apple, fig, pecan, and secret all natural ingredients. Now, does that sound like a sensory experience itself? Well, it was. And, and, and the way David positioned all of these things, he paints a lot of birds. When we were in there, we were probably in there for an hour. We walked outside and I saw a pileated woodpecker. You only see him a couple times a year. And there was one that flew up to a bird feeder right outside his little barn. I mean, you could not have orchestrated it to be more perfect in terms of what he was painting and the whole experience was something like out of funny farm where they staged having the deer run across the yard, but nothing was staged. It's just, he's in that kind of environment. Now what he does with his art and I'll, I'll move on. What he does with his art is he has, of course, the original works. Then he has reproductions of those. There are signed posters, there are note cards, there are wallpaper downloads, there are bookmarks. He was selling the candles, lotions and creams, bumper stickers, books that he recommends. I mean, all those things. Now, it's a great example of leveraging what you do. Now, a lot of what I talk about is how to do exactly that. This weekend, I'll be speaking at Kent Julian's Speak It Forward Boot Camp down at Atlanta. And I'm going to be showing participants. If you're there, I'll look forward to meeting you. But how to leverage their intellectual property. So if you have a speaking topic, now these are speakers, but if somebody's a speaker, then it should be an easy move to add eBooks, audio products, physical books, live events, coaching, affiliate relationships, 
note cards, ceramic plaques. I mean, we, we have a little ceramic plaque. Now, if you've ever been here to our events, you know how we address all the sensory experiences as well. But we have a little ceramic plaque that you can hang. I saw one hanging in somebody's bathroom. Actually, it was in the home of Michael and Gail Hyatt. And we were just in their bathroom. I noticed one of my little plaques hanging on the wall. And it's a little ceramic plaque that says, Leave room in your life for the things that make your heart sing. Dan Meller, 48days.com. Just look at how you can extend the experience of what it is that you do for somebody. So I don't care if you're mowing yards or making widgets. Start to look for ways you can extend that. Now, if you've ever been here for one of our events, I mean, we just had our first Innovate event here. We had lots of music, amazing food. We had people walk around our property. We saw Aristotle, the carving in a cedar tree that we talk about so much. Uh, people saw the famous Miller grandkids zip line. We had cornhole toss out as well as great presentations by people like Mike Hyatt, Chad Jeffers, Joanne, Dorsey McHugh, and more. The next one, we have some things that I'm putting together for the next one. I'll give you a quick insight. I'm just putting this together. I hope that I can get all the details put together. But we are tentatively going to have Scott Stearman here. Scott is an internationally known sculptor. He does full-size commission pieces, often at the entrance of a university or something like that, you'll see a Scott Stearman piece. I want to have him set up here. We'll probably have a tent outside and have Scott set up where in the two days of our event, he will do a totally original 48 Days Eagle. Now, this will be a pretty good size Eagle. We're still working on the details on that. I'll have the original We'll, we'll cast it in bronze. I'll have the original here and then we'll have replicas of that. But we want it to be totally original for 48 days. There's so much of what we talk about that is transformation. So it'll be, I envision like at the base, you know, just a lot of loose stones and pieces. And then coming up out of that, you know, emerges this beautiful eagle where when we sometimes think nothing is but just a rebel left over of something that once was, no, maybe there's something getting ready to emerge out of that. That's kind of the image that we want to get. And we're going to have Scott Stearman come here and do a sculpture of an eagle in the two days of the live event, Innovate. Now, that's our plan. Join us. Golly, check out. I mean, we, we want to introduce things like that for all of the events so that we... One and create a memorable experience for one thing, but also introduce you to ways that you can stretch what it is that you're doing. So whatever it is that you're doing, so you can expand that. Anyway, check out the details. That one's filling up fast already. It's in September, September 5th and 6th. But if you want to join us for that one, hey, check it out. We'd love to see you here. Well, a couple days ago, I got a note from a young lady. And I'll call her Sarah. That's not her real name because she gave a lot of details and was concerned about her privacy. And so I'll protect that. But she lives in the state of North Carolina. She's going to school part-time, lives with her parents in a trailer for which they pay $50 a month. Both her parents are drawn disability. So things, there's literally, you know, no food in the house until the next disability check arrives, her grandmother's in a similar situation, deeply in debt. 
She informed me that she has no expertise, training, or knowledge in anything. She doesn't have any money to put gas in her dad's car. There are no jobs there anyway. She's not working while attending school because that's just too much to handle. Well, you kind of get the picture. I wrote Sarah a lengthy reply, and here's just a little snippet out of that. Sarah, thanks for feeling comfortable and sharing your story. While you describe a pretty uncomfortable and unhappy scenario, I don't have a magic pill to make all that better, but I don't believe circumstances can hold us down. Ultimately, our success springs from attitude, optimism, faith, and positive action to do something that others may say can't be done. You can't change your parents or your grandparents, but you can show them you're not going to get caught in the same pattern. You say you're in school and don't want to work full time. I would suggest that school is not the best use of your time right now. It's a slow process with very clear, very unclear benefits. You should be able to define right now your skills and abilities, personality traits, values, dreams, and passions. And from those, be able to see where you can provide unique value to an organization. I'm confident there are companies right there where you are that are looking for people who are clear in what value they bring to an organization. I would take that step immediately to break this family pattern of looking for assistance and being convinced circumstances are holding you back. Now, if you want to see more on that and then the input of a whole lot of very brilliant people, uh, check out my blog. That blog ran, that would have been about April 28th, whenever you're listening to this, but I think it was about April 20th or 29th when I ran that blog. And you can see all the responses there and more detail about that particular situation. Here's my point and what I want to convey here, and then we'll move on. And that is, we can never allow circumstances to determine our future or to determine who we are today. Winning is very much an inner game. It's not, if we are determined by circumstances, then we're very vulnerable. Every morning when we get up, we're very vulnerable. Circumstances are going to determine what kind of a day we have. We just recently, uh, Joanne commented that it had been cloudy here for a couple of days. And I said, well, that's okay. I carry my sunshine inside me. Now, I, I say that in jest because she wants to slap me when I say things like that. But that really comes from an old Stephen Covey principle where, in fact, he talks about that. Yeah, if we're determined, our, our attitude is determined on whether or not the sun is shining, then we're vulnerable to whether or not there's a cloudy day. Well, I don't want to be in that position. So I tell her frequently and my grandkids and anybody else that I carry my sunshine inside. And I hope that you do as well. Well, Joe, uh, last week I answered a question from Joe. Joe said that he was bivocational. He's a pastor and he's needing to pursue other work for a season. And he said that he has a music CD. He did music professionally for 10 years and he's trying to figure out how to promote the music CD. And I, I, my response was that having a music CD has to be part of a larger picture. Having just one product like that, trying to promote that, you're going to get frustrated. It's just like having a book. You know, I don't focus on just selling one of my books. A book is just introducing people to all the other fun things that we do here at 48 Days. So it introduces people to coaching live events, other products, affiliate resources we recommend, and lots of other people that we introduce them to. It's part of a bigger, bigger experience. So I encourage Joe to look for what his music would lead to, that it's part of something bigger. Well, he thanked me for 
answering his question. I just got an email from him again, and he sent me a link to one of the clips from his CD that's titled New Day. Now, I just, I love getting things from people. I get books and products every single day from people that are doing cool new things. I appreciate that. So I'm just going to play just a little bit of Joe Santucci's song, New Day. Once alone in a dark and stormy light, but it's a new day, and I'm thinking in a new way. My mind is filled with radical rhymes, and it's a new day, and I'm loving in a new way. Well, we'll bring it down there. I got a little bit of problem in playing that live online there but anyway i love those kind of things now is that going to make him a million dollars i don't know but here's the deal someone once asked jay conrad levinson who wrote the book guerrilla marketing how much he made in that book and he said 10 million dollars and they're like oh my gosh you know i don't i never heard of an author making that much money well they do but it's rare he said yeah well he got like thirty thousand dollars advance on that book But what it opened up to him in terms of opportunities for consulting, speaking, and all the other things that were spawned out of that, that's where he made his $10 million. I mean, I love that way to look at it. So if you are an artist, a musician, an author, whatever it is that you do as part of your art, see that as the seed of the ultimate things, the big things that you're going to do. That's the way to look at it. Well, Stephen from Florida says, how do you find excitement and joy in doing anything as far as a job or career? I've dabbled in a lot of different things the past seven years, haven't found anything, anything I like. I keep bouncing from around from one thing to another and never stick to anything. The only passion I have that has stayed the longest and strongest is for my girlfriend. If I could make a living learning how to have a better relationship and help others with what I've learned, that would be incredible. I'm 20 years old. And I feel like I should be a lot further ahead in life, but I feel like I'm stuck with no way out in sight. I would greatly appreciate your help. Stephen, hang in there. There's more to come. You know, this is interesting. I'm reading this right. I'm 20 years old and you say you've dabbled in different things for the last seven years. That means you started when you were 13. Well, that's cool. But at 20, you've got... A little bit more to experience. Believe me, the best is yet to come. But I think you've tapped into some things here that need to be addressed. Why do you feel stuck? Why are you not finding joy and excitement in anything that you're doing? But let me, let me just give you a couple suggestions here. For one thing, I'm going to send you a copy of Wisdom Meets Passion, my latest book that I did with my son, where we talk about how to find your passion And then how to shape it and frame it with wisdom and go on to do extraordinary things. So I'm going to be sending you a copy of that. Uh, You can look for that in the next couple of days. Also, I want to remind you of another old classic book that I would highly recommend. And that is How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, I'm going to put in the podcast notes a link 
to that. You can just go there, click on it, and get the entire book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. But this is a one where it talks about not just how you find a great job that you enjoy, but it's really how do you become a person who enjoys lots of things. And that's really the principle here. We don't just find a job and then learn to enjoy it. If we are a happy person, we tend to enjoy whatever we do. Now, just last night, ran into a guy I hadn't seen in a long time. I met him probably 10 years ago. He was just working as a teller in a bank at that time, and I hadn't seen him in a while. Last night, he pulled up. We were having dinner, and we were sitting right next to the window. He pulls up, brand new, gorgeous Infinity, had on a stunning suit, and I talked to him. He's now community director of one of the regional banks. Now, I you know, have seen a little bit about what happened. He's pretty visible in the community. But it was pretty easy to observe why this guy's excelled. I mean, every encounter, even in just the few minutes that I saw him last night, every encounter was courteous, affirming for the other person. I mean, from the, the greeter to the server, they went into the shop next door to us where we were and got some ice cream. I mean, everybody, everybody to the random people walking by, each one received a great smile and a sincere thank you for their contribution, no matter how small or insignificant. I didn't have to ask him about his degrees, his certification, or him being lucky to understand why his career has soared. He doesn't have to game his way to keep, it, to keep his job. In fact, he, he told me that he gets constant offers from competitors who have seen his success and try to lure him away. And he's making more money than they'd ever dreamed of making a few years ago. That was a great conversation because I did have a opportunity to kind of play a role in his life about 10 years ago and help start him on the path. And it's wonderful to see where he is. But I was reminded last night about the principles out of how to win friends and influence people. Six ways to make people like you. Number one, become genuinely interested in other people. Number two, smile. Number three, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Number four, be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interest. Number six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Now, you know, even to this day, I have no idea if the guy I'm talking about has a college degree, but I know how his value would rank against most people who have an MBA. That's a way to guarantee your job security, but it's also a way to make yourself the kind of person who walks in any situation and finds joy and excitement there. So as gentle as I can um, with your job security, with the things that you're looking for, Steve, and not finding joy and excitement, make yourself the kind of person who finds joy and excitement everywhere they go. Carry your sunshine inside of you. I'll put those six ways to make people like you in the podcast notes as well. Now here's another, here's another real life Listener example. This comes from Terry in Orlando, Florida. This is a great follow-up to Stephen's question. I can't find joy and excitement opportunity. 
Here's what Terry has to say. I was waiting until I got my music business off the ground to send you a success story, but then I realized I already have a great success story. Reading 48 Days and No More Dreaded Mondays gave me a desperately needed attitude adjustment toward my job and my life in general. I started giving an extra 110%, all while focusing on the great aspects of my job instead of the toxic negativity which affected all areas of my life. Shortly thereafter, I unexpectedly received a 10% off-season raise. My manager said that I was bringing a lot of value to the project, and I deserved a boost. Three months later, I received a stellar performance review with an additional 5% pay increase. Thanks for sharing your words of wisdom to help me turn my life around. Terry, that is a stellar example of turning your life around without changing the circumstances. Same job, same place, same you, but no, it's not really the same you. You changed you and all the circumstances around you change. Man, I love it. Hey, this is John Tash, host of Intelligence for Your Life, and you're listening to my good buddy, Dan Miller. You know, finding your purpose and passion is the first step to living out intelligence in your own life. 48 days can show you the way. Now back to Dan. Well, just a reminder, if you got a question, you can shoot that in. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, and you'll see several options there. You can write your question out, or you can just speak. little icon over on the right-hand side says just speak. Hit that. You can just talk. Any computer has a microphone built in at this point. Just talk. Leave it in an audio format. Or there's a number there that you can call and leave it that way as well. So any way that you want to, but... Please continue to shoot your questions in. It's your real-life questions and make this show what it is, where we can dissect them together and all learn together as we move to higher levels of success. Matthew from Clyde, New York, says, Dan, I'm having a problem with gout. It makes doing my normal line of work on a factory floor, which I hate anyway, nearly impossible to do. This week I'm on disability and missing a week of pay because I can't walk. Thankfully, so far, the gout has never affected my hands. I need to figure out how to make a living from my desk at home as these attacks are becoming more frequent. I can engrave on glass. When I stand, I'm also an artist, though in recent years that is mostly for design purposes for the glass work. I've never made a dime off the glass engraving, but I think that was bad management on my part. Frankly, I'm scared to death of where this is leading and my future looks bleak. Any advice? would be appreciated. Well, Matt, I'm going to send you a copy of No More Dreaded Mondays. Now, in that, I talk a lot about how to leverage what you have as unique skills and then put legs on that where it creates income outside of a traditional job. Now, what you're describing is in the traditional job, it's becoming more difficult for you to do that because of some physical problems that you're having. I understand that. We have to realize the explosion of new opportunities are not in traditional jobs where you have to show up and stand there from eight to five where it causes your gout to increase. The new opportunities look different. That's why we're rapidly moving toward the time when only 50% of American employees will be employees. They're going to be categorized in other descriptions of what work, meaningful, profitable work is. Things that include contingency worker, independent contractor, consultant, temp, freelancer, entrepreneur, 
electronic immigrant. We can go on and on with all the new terms that are being developed to describe work. But don't confine yourself to just one model. Now, when you say that you're an artist and a glass engraver, awesome. Awesome. Go to David Arms' site. I already mentioned him. Go to Scott Stearman's site. Just scottsteerman.com. The amazing sculptor. I mean, now these are people who have skills that everybody's going to stand back and say, well, that's fine, but you can't make a living doing that. You have to go get a job in a factory where they pay you a paycheck on Friday. These guys said, no, don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do these creations. And so now David does his art and I walk up and look and well, it's $9,800. And I see a piece that Scott Stearman has done. And well, let's see, he got $80,000 for that particular work that he did. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, I think these guys are doing okay. Well, when you have, so what the challenge is simply to take your art or your glass engraving. How can you do that? I just got a beautiful vase sent to me from somebody who, and it has 48 days. It has our logo on it. What's well, a beautiful piece that we have here in the sanctuary. And when we have events, we'll have flowers in that to display, but somebody did that. Find unique ways. When I, when I talk about Aristotle, the beautiful eagle that was carved in the cedar tree and as in the approach to my office here, it's about 14 feet tall. The wingspan is probably about five feet. It was the first two branches of the tree. So it's a pretty spectacular piece. Now, Terry, Terry Brasher, being the artist who did that, she's a wood sculptor. Well, you see wood sculptors on Saturday morning sitting on the park benches here in Franklin and they're whittling whistles. Now, she could be a wood sculptor and do that. No, she decided instead of just doing something that had no real monetary value or instead of just doing Smokey the Bear, as a lot of other people do, she was going to do unique pieces. And in doing so, has created a reputation and an income that surpasses 99% of the people on the planet. When I talk about the fact that artists, speakers, musicians, authors, 95% of them never make more than $40,000 a year. I mean, we can pretty well document that. 95% of them. My thinking immediately goes to, how tough can it be to put yourself in the 5%? When I see what most authors do, I'm thinking, my gosh, it's not a real challenge to do something different than what they're doing. When we had the book release for Wisdom Meets Passion, we booked it at the Legends Club clubhouse here in franklin tennessee well the legends is where you know the vince gill golf tournament takes place it's connected with the vanderbilt university it's a real high-end golf club clubhouse and these fancy events take place there we booked the clubhouse for the live event that we did for the book release we had live music we had uh, celebrities there. We had celebrities that participated. We had certainly had media people there and then uh, publishers and other celebrities who were there. I won't mention names, but a lot of people whose names you would recognize we invited there. We had food that would just knock your socks off. We had gift bags for everybody. Everybody in attendance got this beautiful silver gift bag with two copies of Wisdom Meets Passion in it, along with the Ubuntu medallion. That we included we had specially designed toffee with our 48 days imprint on it in the bags anyway they got a 
marvelous gift bag. But that's the kind of thing we did. Well, our publisher, Thomas Nelson Publisher, says, oh my gosh, we've never seen anything like this. Well, that's because most authors are making $40,000 a year. That's not the category I want to be in. So we're going to figure out how to do it differently. Now, I, I could go on with that. I could tell you exactly how we did a little Kickstarter project, actually used Indiegogo for that, to launch that book as well, where we offered the medallion, toffee, special experiences, dinner with Joanne and me. I mean, just a variety of things. And we raised about $15,000. Now, this was not one of those million-dollar things, but we had it up there for a few days and raised about $15,000. With that, we funded the book release party that I just described. So, that I mean, that more than took care of all the expenses for the book release party. So, it wasn't like I just you know, bit the bullet and wrote some big checks for that. No, it was totally funded by money that people had already given us for special packages of the books before that event ever occurred. So it's just a matter of being creative. That's what you've got to do with what you're looking at. But I'll send you a copy of No More Dreaded Mondays. Matt, that'll help stimulate your thinking and things that you can do with that. Let me, let me bring in, I'm just, God, just uh, feeling like we need to, a little inspirational music here anyway. Maybe it's just because it's springtime. I'm just feeling so optimistic and full of it. I've got some things I'm working on that I'm so excited about that are going to take us into new places. I'm coordinating my thinking with some of the brightest minds in the country on a particular issue where I want to become more knowledgeable. This is what I've got in my ringtone, incidentally. On my telephone, you recognize it, the great band U2. And this is what I've got. Just the chorus of this is what I've got on my ringtone. Every time my phone rings, this is what I hear. Here we go. Get ready. I get reminded of that over and over during the, it's a beautiful day. Don't let it get away. It's a beautiful day. Well, I hope you're having a beautiful day. Let's go back to some questions here. Catherine from McMinnville, Oregon says, Dan, I love your podcast. Appreciate the innovative ideas you share so much that I tell everyone who will listen about your website and resources. You give us a fresh outlook at marketing ourselves, finding our niche and loving work. Well, thank you. Our married daughter has a small business teaching people historical dances going on its seventh year and holds balls several times a year. She has sought others to become teachers or callers and offered training so that she can also dance and enjoy them. 
She's expecting a baby soon, and I'm taking on more responsibility at dance class while she's absent. I've been offered the opportunity to take her place calling at three dance functions and get the payment for doing so. My question is, should I give back some of the money from these gigs since she has trained me? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think you should. I mean, it sounds like your daughter has built this business. It's her great teachings, her reputation that's made it successful. I mean, yeah, there should be that recognition of that while you fill in for her. I mean, I, I talked to a dentist friend the other day. He sold his practice, kind of his semi-retirement, but he works a couple of days a week at another dental office, and he gets 20% of the patient fee because he brings in his talent and skill. He's trained, obviously, but it's somebody else's business, reputation, that got the person in the seat, so he gets 20%. I mean, I teaching at a university, I mean, I just uh, finished teaching Wisdom Meets Passion. Uh, it, it was an amazing experience. I wanted to see how much people would really engage in the field manual that I created to go along with that. And it w- blew my mind, frankly, at how transformative it really was for people to get in touch with their passion and see ways that they could shape that and take them into new areas of success. It was, it was transformational, but I'm a representative offering a skill that complements the overall mission of that university. So I don't get all the students tuition fees. I mean, it's totally my class. I mean, I would go in, I mean, not even see anybody from the university, go in, the students were there, you know, to work with me. Boom. It was all my, even so, no, I don't get all their tuition fees. I'm in their establishment and they're going to get the majority of that. And there's lots of examples. Um, I, I have speakers that come in, of course, to my events. Uh, they don't get all the fee. I mean, I'm going to, to Kent Julian's speakers boot camp. I mentioned that earlier. I mean, it's his event. I just go in and share in my piece but it's his event and he ought to be compensated for that. So I think in this example, yeah, there, there ought to be compensation to your daughter for building the business, getting the people there, building the reputation and all that. I mean, I'd suggest maybe a 50, 50 split for you to lead the classes in her absence. And you can have that discussion, obviously with a, with a daughter, you want to, the relationship is more important than anything. I mean, if she wants 90% that you still do it, but certainly there ought to be the offer of some kind of split back to her for that. Jordan from Little Rock, Arkansas says, Dan, thanks for your podcast, books, newsletter, and forum. I'm a teacher looking to become a paid workshop presenter or trainer. I've created a workshop and have contacted several schools in the area to schedule workshops. I'm debating whether to charge a fee or offer workshops for free. Starting out, I've heard both sides. Not charging can equal no value. But then you've charged with no experience. How do you do that? What do you think? Other than presenting at conferences for free, do you have any suggestions to help me get started? Should I change my information page? If so, what do you suggest? Professional development speakers charge a wide range of fees. After a few more presentations under my belt, and as I become more successful in booking workshops, how much should I charge? Well, you got a lot of questions, Jordan, but let me just kind of break it down for you a little bit. I didn't look at your your site, the workshop that you've created, um, looks wonderful. I do question your target audience. When you want to offer this for educators, you want to do this 
in schools. You've contacted several schools in the area to schedule workshops. And I think that is a tough, tough market. I mean, schools are underfunded. They don't have budget for outside things. They take 10 months to make a decision. Man, that, that's a tough way to get started in this business. Now, you're doing a workshop on like how to use Evernote successfully. I mean, you could do that through your local chamber of commerce or at the library, you know, where you just promote it as a public seminar. I mean, there's enough people interested in that and just see what you can charge as a fee. I mean, offer it for $39, offer it for $99, offer it for $7 and see what you get. I would not encourage you to do the workshops for free, especially in a school. If you do a workshop for free, there ought to be some kind of a back end that that's leading to. So if I go talk to, if I go do a a noon presentation for the Rotary Club, I'm going to be in front of 50 business leaders in my community. Anything that I drop as a seed of other things that I do is going to be picked up on. I mean, that happens all the time. I spoke the other day. I probably had 15 people at the back of the room by the time I got there wanting to know, you know, could they buy a book on the spot? Wanting to know, could I come into their company and help them address having baby boomers come in and work with, with uh, I mean, having Gen Y come in and work with baby boomers. People wondering, you know, am I available for individual coaching? All those things. I, I, I didn't promote any of those things, but I had a, a one-page handout that I gave people to follow along with my notes. And on there were links to other resources if they chose to do that. But I mean, that's, I can go there and speak for free because I'm going to make $50,000 on follow-up work. But if you go into a school and do a workshop for free, I don't think there's any back end. I think you just did it and you're dead in the water. So I would do workshops in environments where you know there's going to be, that's going to be leading to something if you're going to do them for free. And I think there are places where you can do that, but I would not do that in academic environments. And to do that in academic environments and expect to get paid for it, I think is a really challenging business model. Really tough. You know, it's like a lot of people take the 48 days to the work you love seminar and they want to do it in churches and make money. Well, lots of luck. I mean, I've never tried to do that. Now, is it done in churches? Yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of different places. Workshop is done there. But that should not be the primary focus for anyone in terms of making money. Now, can somebody lead the 48-day seminar and then have people say, wow, I'd like you to work with me personally as a career coach? If you're prepared to do that, that ought to absolutely fill your schedule. That's exactly the way it worked for me. That's what launched me as a career coach initially. So yeah, you can do that, but to go there and think that you're going to get money from just presenting there, is good. that's a really tough market. I make my money by doing things you know, with individuals, with entrepreneurs, with professionals in corporate environments, you know, those other kind of locations. What I do in church is certainly not a focus for my financial model. And I think academic institutions are right up there with churches and being tough, tough places from which to extract pay. Also, let me suggest this, Jordan. Get Howard Shenson's book. I'm going to give you the title here, and I'll put a note in the podcast links as well. But it's titled, How to Develop and Promote Successful Seminars and Workshops. 
the definitive guide to creating and marketing seminars, workshops, classes, and conferences. Again, Howard Shenson, last name is S-H-E-N-S-O-N. You can find it on Amazon. Just get it there. Now, Howard Shenson is, is de- dead at this point, but this is still the best overall guide to how to develop and promote successful seminars. I mean, it'll show you how to do like split runs where you can, I mean, you, you can work with your local newspaper if you want to, where half of the people who get it will see your seminar at $39 and half of them will see it at $97. And they have a code there to register so you know exactly where it came from. And you can then identify what pulls the best. How much lead time do you need? Should you promote a seminar three weeks in advance or three months in advance? These are all things that Howard Shenson handles. And that's the, that is the source that I used. I've done a lot of seminars over the years, and that is the source that I used to shape my initial seminars. How much lead time, how to do split run pricing test. I mean, I've done the same seminars for $19, $69, $139. I mean, there was back in the old days when I used to do a lot of live seminars, we would do 48 days to the work you love in the morning and 48 days to creative income in the afternoon. Now, 48 days to creative income has morphed into what now is no more dreaded Mondays, essentially. But we would do that. In the morning, it would be how to position yourself and go get a regular job. In the afternoon, it would be how to take an idea and turn it into a real business. Here's what we found. We would have 70% of the people would do both. 70% of the people would come for both of them. 30% would come for just the morning. 30% would come just the afternoon. We worked it out just like clockwork. I mean, I, I track our numbers and we would max out. We would do it. There was a, um, uh, what was it called? It was like Homewood Suites, a hotel in Brentwood, Tennessee here. We used their big room. It would hold like 80 people. We'd always have 100 in there. We'd always have at least 100 and we would have 100 in there morning and afternoon because of the 30-30 in and out. And it, we would have 100 in there no matter what we charged. If we charged $19 or $69 or $139, we would always still just sell it out. What we landed on was pretty much the center of that. We landed on like $69, but then really promoted product sales where we knew we would sell at least five or $6,000 worth of product that day as well. But now those are all things that I kind of put together from Howard Chinson's book, How to Do That. Hey, I'm also going to send you, you know, I just thought of this. I'm going to send you a copy of a, a new book called Social Media for School Leaders by Dr. Brian Dixon. Now, Brian was just here for Innovate. Uh, he's a smart guy, you know, PhD, and he wrote this book, Social Media for School Leaders. I'll send you a copy of that. He left me several copies here. We gave some out at Innovate, but I'll send you a copy of Social Media for School Leaders. That will help you as well in figuring this out, how to do this. Well, let's just recap a little bit. Here's a recap. Circumstances don't determine our success. It's an inner game. Number two, our job doesn't make us happy. We enjoy our jobs when we are happy. Number three, make sure you go and get the link for how to win friends and influence people. And then I would encourage you to do this. Make this your task for this week. Find three ways you can leverage your intellectual capital this week. 
Now, again, I don't care what you're doing now. Think about ways you can leverage your intellectual capital. What could you do that would allow you to move in some of these areas? Think about what I described with David Arms. We walk into an artist's studio and every sense is touched. And he has 15 different ways we can spend money. Starting with his free pickles, we can just have those. But we can then you know, buy a candle. We can work our way up to a bumper sticker or a book or a piece of art or some lotions. I mean, it was amazing the different varieties of ways he allowed us, gave us opportunities to spend money. And certainly I saw people doing that left and right. Well, this is Dan Meller. Thanks for being part of this fun process that we're all involved in where we have an opportunity to do our art during the course of not just the weekends, but doing it daily. More and more of you that I'm hearing from will really view your work in that way. Thanks for being part of the 48 Days community. Check out 48days.net, our upcoming events, as we continue this process of finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.